Yes, welcome back to another episode of TR Tuesdays, and I will be joined by my real sister later today, Lonnie, who I often refer to as Sissy, um, because that's like a nickname I have for my sisters. Uh, I'm so excited for you guys to meet her, because we're going to be talking about different aspects of the foster care system. So, thanks for listening to your favorite scholar, your girl, Tiara. Before I introduce my sister, I'd like to first reveal some news. Last week, we discussed, um, or I rather, I introduced the Pregnancy Chronicles, telling you all about the woes of the first trimester and the blues of the first trimester. Well, since then, I've had my gender reveal party, and I'm having a girl. Yes, I'm having a little me, and it's very frightening. We will be talking about my fears with that a little bit later um, when I introduce Lonnie onto the episode. But before we get into that, I'd love to discuss some comments and feedback that I received from some different listeners. A listener responded, A spouse should definitely help with changing diapers, because if I have to change these shitty diapers, so does he, damn it. (laughs) I think that's uh, fucking hilarious, because I definitely agree. Oh my god. My uh, other sister, she has a one and a half year old, and she just tells me how, like, you know, she'll be changing her, and then the baby will poop while she's changing her, and she gets poop all on her, you know, or she'll, like, pull her diaper to the side, and take poop out and throw it on the floor and I'm just like oh it's it's a struggle I have another goddaughter who just will pee in her diaper and just take it off and just throw it on the floor like okay like instead of telling us I I went pee pee you know change me like because she she can talk almost very clearly now uh she's almost three but yeah no definitely I need help changing these diapers together uh (laughs) Kids are nasty, like, oh, the yeah, I need help. I feel you, listener. Okay, I have multiple listeners commend me on these affirmations. They really like these uh, new affirmations that I included at the end of the episode last week, and the I am successful affirmations, so I really appreciate that. I'm so excited um, <laughs> that you guys like that. All right, I'll be right back with TR Tuesdays, and we will be discussing some more feedback right after this. Okay, welcome back to TR Tuesdays. I hope you enjoyed that quick break. Moving right along with my feedbacks and comments. I'm very thankful that I actually got a lot of people comment and um, express feedback on how they think I'm going to be a great mother and how I'm going to handle motherhood well. And I had some other people say that they thought I was very organized. So thank you. It is very hard to stay organized, but I have two. I will go insane. And thank you for telling me how that's going to benefit me and motherhood. I do appreciate that. I had a lot of comments about morning sickness and if it's really all day does it go away let me tell you different strokes for different folks people well morning sickness was really hard for me in the first trimester and I'm in my second trimester now um and I will be giving you a pregnancy chronicle all about the second trimester and how it differs from the first I will say that it does not go away. I still wake up feeling very nauseated in the mornings. Um, And although it's not every day, like in the first trimester, it can be all day. I mean, I can eat something as simple as a cantaloupe and become nauseated and it'll ruin my day. And I'll be vomiting all day. So morning sickness, I reiterate, is not in the morning. It's an all-day affair. I thank you guys for listening and for commenting on that um, episode Please comment on that episode or past podcast at any time. All you have to do is DM me on Instagram at T-R-L Christopher. That's T-I-A-R-A-L-C-H-R-S-T-O-P-H-E-R. Find me on Spotify and, of course, Anchor. 
and just keep up to date with everything TR Tuesdays. Today in Black History, that is August 17th, 1887, the father of black nationalism and leader of many pan-African movements was born. His name was Marcus Garvey. If you guys do not know who Marcus Garvey is, um, I highly encourage you to use Google, which is at all of our fingertips to find out who he is and what he has done for the African-American society and just Africanism in general. I didn't learn about Marcus Garvey until I took an African-American class in college because people like him are not taught in everyday school. So I highly encourage you to learn about him and to teach your children about him. Okay, I will be right back with my guest today. That is my sister, Lanisha, right after this. Welcome, Lonnie, to Tiara Tuesdays. Hi. Hello, everyone. Yes, guys, this is my sister, Lonnie Show or Lonnie. I'm so excited to have you on Tiara Tuesdays. The listeners have been dying to hear from you since the Kwanzaa episode um, from last <laughs> season, but that's okay. We finally got you to talk uh, about the foster care system today. Overdue, overdue. Okay, so today I wanted to talk about um, kind of like the foster care system, but like really more specifically how we got into foster care because a lot of people uh, meet my mom or our mom rather, and they're like, oh, your mom seems so nice and put together and she's not on drugs like why were you in foster care like you know I feel like there's a a a misconception with how you end up in foster care so I'd love to discuss that I also shared with the listeners how um I'm gonna be having a girl and I have a lot of fears with that and a lot of that stems around the mother and daughter dynamic which we have been discussing here on TR Tuesdays so I'd love to discuss that as well and just the ultimate um, level of protection, you know, you're supposed to have for your daughter and just how the trials and tribulations of going through foster care can really hinder you from becoming like your best self. And like it's you have to kind of like find yourself all over again almost because it's like you have no support. You're just like a bird out here and nobody taught you how to fly and you're like trying to learn, yeah. you know. I definitely got that a lot, too. Um going through the foster system girls would actually get upset with me but um I'm not sure where you want to start with this because I mean I guess we just start from the beginning yeah no let's let's start from the top so uh first of all we can both share um and you can go first since I feel like your you and mommy's relationship kind of segued the relationship that I had with mommy which I do write about um or have written about rather in my book because I feel like there were certain things that you went through and little did I know I was going to be going through the same things, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'd love if you could share the VCR incident. Cause I feel like <laughs> that, uh, I mean, yeah, it is, it's fucked up, but, and it is kind of funny, but I mean, now we can laugh about it back then. No, it was right. just like, it was like, I, I mean, I was like shocked. My editor, when he read it, he was like horrified, like, and he wanted me to remind the audience of how old you were and I was and that we were experiencing this. It was crazy. So because I feel like the VCR incident was the start of you getting into foster care. And then we can kind of segue into how I got in there and, you know, how we have just been significantly affected by that. Ultimately, I feel like. But how we have overcame it eventually, you know. Right. Uh, definitely 10th grade. Um <laughs> So what, 14, 15 years yeah, of yeah. age. And by this time, um, I did not like my mom's boyfriend. Uh, we already had a situation of touching in the eighth grade. Um, just a little bit about that. Um, I was acting out. Um, and just me learning now that, you know, I was seeking attention. So I was constantly getting suspended from school or always like I was always doing something, me and my road dog, Chanel. 
and but I would get suspended for it or whatever. So he told me if you get suspended again, you're gonna get a whooping. What I do, I get suspended. I think this was like my seventh suspension. And I went <laughs> to an eighth grade, like I went to a junior high that pretty much allowed me to get suspended multiple times. Kick out was never an option. Um, so as soon as I got home, he uh told me to take my pants off, which was natural being um that I had an abusive father. So I thought that was normal, but in the midst of him whooping me, he touched me. So when I went to school after like two, three days, I told my best friend and she told the teacher and CPS got involved. And I'll never forget, I don't know if you remember, but um, I told you, cause they came to your school and I told you not to tell, um, but I think you told. <laughs> I did, I did. You had told me when I was in the tub, I did, I told mommy, um, you know, I always say, like, I could never commit a serious crime because I have, like, a conscience which, like, weighs on me, like, heavily. So I did tell mommy this. So let's uh, go from there. So when I told mommy this, she brought in um, her boyfriend who I will call you Bell because that's what I call him in my book. You Bell means evil. Um, and I believe he was just an evil man ultimately and just kind of destroyed or really helped destroy our childhood. But anyway, she went and grabbed him and um, they're kind of like pumping me for information. And then the ice cream truck even comes and they like go get me a, like an, a strawberry shortcake or ice cream. Uh, oh, that was our shit. Strawberry it, shortcake. It was. Christ, oh, I, I don't even eat them no more. Humor. Really, it has to be good humor brand. But yeah, they went and then uh, got me a strawberry shortcake from the ice cream truck. And they're just like asking me like, oh, well, where does your sister go when she leaves? And where do you guys go together? And where does she hang out? And I'm going to lie to you. Like after a while, you know, I ran out of it because it wasn't like you were a defiant and devious child. Like, you know, mommy made it constantly doing something. <laughs> So obviously I eventually and, and very quickly rather ran out of, you know, things to tell them about you. So then I just start lying and making up stuff. Cause then at this point I'm trying to figure, cause I was like seven or eight and I'm trying to figure out, well, how much more can I get from them? Like, Oh, I got ice cream. Like what else I can get? You know, they right. gave me two ice creams. I want to say like, got me two of them. I was like super juice ice cream. Oh my God. It was just like everything for me growing up it really still is. But, um, and so, you know, like now reflecting, looking back, it was just kind of like a chess game with everybody trying to figure out what they can gain from the other, you know, <laughs> like you Bell's trying to figure out what he can gain from me. Mommy's trying to figure out what she can gain from me. And I'm trying to figure out what I can gain from both of them at right. just eight years old, you know. So it's just kind of like you you really never know how you're affecting your child in what ways with what way because you know I just feel like looking back that that was like high manipulation like I think mommy yeah. is a narcissist and she's so <laughs> calculated she's so calculated in uh everything she does because writing about that I didn't even know that that's what was happening you know like right, I'm, right. I'll just say anything to get to see what like, what else can I get I'm a kid you know oh, I got ice cream so that's just that's crazy but yeah, kind of moving forward, that was the first incident. Yeah, and then, yeah. Was. CPS. She, mommy, didn't let me go to school. I remember, like for a couple of days too, because she was scared. But of course, CPS did come, and mommy had told me before she took let me go back to school, and she would always say this: "What happens in my house stays, stays in my, my house. house." And she, she was so abusive mentally, physically, and emotionally, and I was just scared of her. I mean, this was my mama. So, of course, I'm like, yeah, I didn't tell, I didn't say anything. So, I'm not exactly sure what questions were asked, but I do remember going into the principal's, all, like, I was in class, yeah. the principal They called. told me they were going to go to your school, and I was like, please don't go to my sister's school. <laughs> and they was like, they was going, like, because this, you know, this, it was a serious accusation that you're saying. You know, somebody touched you, so. And but now, that, looking back, it's just disturbing that they allowed you bill especially given his criminal record that they even allowed him to stay in the home with us or so i listen, guess I'd... this Go is ahead. that was my first encounter with the system because 
they end up asking me, did I want to stay? And I said, no. So I remember going to like a weekend foster home and then they scheduled me and mommy to have therapy that Monday. And I don't know who decided that, you know, I guess mommy told them you bell wasn't going to be there anymore. Cause that, cause he wasn't there for a little while, but eventually he ended up coming back. But that was the initial, okay, he has to leave if you want your daughter back type of deal. So, Oh, see, I got to add this to the book. This is new information. I love it. Well, I yeah. want to a podcast on it. I didn't know that that was the thing. So this was the start, and this is a fear I have with having a girl, is that yeah. whole choosing a man over your kids, over your mm-hmm. daughter, what that does to them, you know? And, you know, it seems like that that was the start of that, which will be very noteworthy to add to that that section because I did write about this first CPS incident. But let's uh, transition to the VCR incident. <laughs> um, so, you know, they stayed at Bingo. Um, practically lived there. And uh, I want to say almost 11, they got back. And we only had one VCR at the time. Um, and I had took it out the living room into my room. You bell comes in, you know, our mother lived in the bathtub. So she <laughs> immediately got in and he's like, people always touching stuff. And, you know, mommy's in there like, what are you talking about? The VCR, it should have been in the living room, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, our little brother, what do you call him in the book? Percy. Percy. Percy come in, he's walking and talking. So I want to say he's like two maybe three my dad said you need to bring that vcr back but when i heard him talking i was already unhooking it you know it's only three little plugs you know and then one in the wall so i'm already got it unhooked and i'm like tell your daddy he don't gotta cry about it (laughs) lord why i say that what you say who you talking to blah 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 and i'm like i'm talking to you like by this time You know, he's already touched me a few years prior. You know, there's other little, you know, incidents where we, you know, get into it. And so, like, we're arguing about it. I put the VCR back. Um, I don't know what he said, what I said. It wasn't liked. I'm pretty sure I said something because I always got a smart mouth. (laughs) Um, Said something to him. He didn't like it. And then before I know it, like, he, to me, I'm not the first one to swing, but I'm going to hold my own. You know what I'm saying? So he grabbed me, like, by the shirt and stuff and was trying to, like, fling me around. So, like, now I'm I'm in fight mode. Like, I'm fighting. Yes, fight um, or flight. I remember him trying to, like, I guess, pin me on the couch. Like, he thought he was about to get me down on a couch to choke me out and I hopped on that couch so fast (laughs) it was just swinging like it was just two bitches on the streets like I was literally fighting for my life and I remember even though it's like the way I'm talking about it it seems slow but it all happened so fast you know you hear that a lot oh it happened so fast by this time my mom's out the tub she grabbed him by the shirt and uh she's like what are you guys doing And now I'm heated. So I went to the kitchen to go get a knife. And he like, what, you going to stab me? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm cussing. I'm reckless. You know, where we grew up in the town. I'm like, "Uh, that's the last thing I'm about to let is some man, you know what I'm saying, put his hands on me like that. And then I'll never forget, mommy jumped in between and was like, no, Lonnie should know. And I was like, it's either him or me. And like she was in protection mode of this man. So, you know, sometimes mommy don't directly be like, get out, but that was my cue. Like, yeah, I didn't even put no shoes on. I left. Barefoot and all walking down the street. I, I left to in my socks. Socks and all walking down the streets of Oakland. I walked all the way from 89th and Olive to 90th and MacArthur. Ooh. Like one- feel, yeah. 
it was like one, I guess one block to the right and maybe like two, three blocks going to the left. And I called my auntie, my auntie came and got me, but of course mommy called the police and no, she can't live with her. Cause my auntie was gonna let me live with her. Okay, that's Auntie Cassie in the book. Listen, I'm I don't what I don't understand is yes, she mommy said you couldn't live with her. However, once she released you in the system, because Auntie Laya, uh, or our great Auntie Laya, as I call her, I she got custody of me and mommy didn't want her like me to live with her. So what Which I is don't, stupid. <laughs> I don't get you know, I think it's I think it's some sort of this is the thing as a parent because I'm I'm experiencing this in another way right now. Um, but I'm not gonna get too specific on it. But I will say that sometimes people and a parent for sure, a mother or father, they will see somebody parenting your child better than you parent them. And I feel like that they are jealous or offended by that. But for me, as a future mother, that would make me want to step up my level of parenting. That yeah. I'm not going to let somebody out parent me when it comes to my kids. And I really think that that plays into a part now that I'm just reflected on it now. Mm-hmm. I think that that plays into a part of mommy not wanting to let other family members get custody of us. Maybe. But it's not even just mommy. It's just other families in general don't want that. But the system would rather the kids go to a family member than to not. I don't know what happened in my case. I don't know why. By the time I got back in there one more time, I just said, forget it, because it was around the corner from my school. You know, we lived in Alameda, but I don't want to get too ahead. But I don't know what happened that, 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 that second time I pretty much went in there. And it's, I get this often a lot by my own therapist. She asks me, she doesn't understand, you know, as a, a woman who has her PhD in psychology and in child development, she doesn't understand how a parent can just decide to place you in care. Like that there has to be some deep rooted psychological, mental abusive issues that are, have been documented, you know, Mm -hmm. um, so she thinks it's crazy that mommy just could like, almost like, it's like, like a, I call her in one chapter, she's like the puppet master because it's like, oh, I want to play with these puppets now. So I'm going to take them off the shelf and we're going to play. And she took us out of foster care. Okay. I'm bored with these puppets. I'm going to put them back. That's literally how I describe her in this chapter, because that's what I feel like she's doing to us. It's like, we're her little puppets and she's the puppet master. You know, the crazy part is there's like, you know, you don't watch Mari before and it's be like them off the chain girls who run away. Like that was never us. So, I loved Mari growing yeah. up. Yeah. Is that still on TV? I don't know. <laughs> but it's <laughs> Mari like, Povich, yeah. guys. If it's not on TV, <laughs> Mari Povich. That's that old school beginning of the 2000s right there talk show. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we have smart mouths and, you know, think looking back like you know it was out of pocket talking to um our mother in that fashion but then it was her actions that um I guess made us didn't care about disrespecting her but like your like your um therapist said it definitely a lot of the mother-daughter dynamics stems, stems back from slavery um of the reason why the mom would um be more catering and caring to the son versus the daughter. Hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to see if, make sure I quote it right, because you know, they would take the men and the sons away to go sell them to like another plantation to be, you know, because they, they were stronger. stronger. They were and more plus, of an asset. Yeah. And plus if you kept the male or the man around, they would want to protect their woman or their sister. If they see you, trying to rape them or so that was another reason why they separated the uh the man from so the woman would cook you know cook for the son and try to baby the son and cater to the son and then a daughter she's teaching her how to be independent you know what i'm saying how to do x y and z because you know me you were bus riders and what they call latchkey kids very young where 
you know, Percy probably got dropped off at school. I know he, you know, had buses pick bus. him up. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. But yeah, it goes all the way back and it's really deep. That's crazy. I had no idea um, that that went back to slavery in that. And then like, so you think that that may have caused some resentment, the fact that this was rooted in slavery. And so mother began to have resentment that the daughter is around, that she doesn't have a choice. I'm confused on the uh, the link. Right. That's why I'm trying to make sure I explain it correctly. Um, <sighs> that's okay. You think what about it, it and uh, <laughs> we'll come back to that. Okay. So while you think about that, I'm going to explain how I got into care because I was just talking to one of my hairstylists and she feels like that I chose to be in foster care when I told her my situation. But like I said, I really feel like given you and uh, mommy's relationship, that that it was already, um, the door was already open for me. It was already open for me to go into foster care, you know, but we're going to take a break and we'll be right back with that. All right, we are back with Tiara Tuesdays and my guest of this episode, my sister Lanisha. Today on Tuesdays, we are talking about the foster care system and we are continuing the mother and daughter dynamic. That may be the theme of this season. Like we may keep that going. I just love extending this conversation. Anyways, before the break, I was just going to tell you guys how I got into foster care. So mommy started mistreating me around, you know, age 12 or 13. And it's so crazy because I'm literally at this point in my book where I'm having trouble even organizing all of what all of the events which led into me getting into care. And I'm also struggling with just, you know, kind of like writing it out because it's like I have to relive it again, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's a struggle because although, you know, I'm writing a book that I have already outlined, for me, it's like I have to go through this every time again and again. It's like you have to relive the same trauma, you know, so it's really hard. Um, to even sit down and like, okay, because I'm in the final draft now here in this book, like I have to get this out. So I feel like for me, it all started really in seventh grade with mommy not wanting to buy me school clothes. And you have bought me school clothes that um, year to my school was going on a trip to Tahoe. And mommy didn't buy me any of the clothes to go. I think this is when I start stealing. And um, I, like, stole all the the stuff for me to go. And then I feel like she finally came around and took me to Target and, like, got me a couple things, you know. But, like, I go into school in Alameda with these white people, you know. I just, like, oh, I want to look – I want to look good. Like, I don't want to look – mommy never did my hair. Like, she just stopped doing that. I literally would steal money so I could have your friend um, – we'll just call her your friend – your friend do my hair for me so I wouldn't just be looking a mess. So I feel like that was really the start of it. Then it started, it heightened, like after I got my uh, menstrual cycle. Eighth grade, I'll never forget. Girl. <laughs> like, I'm a woman. Like, all because I got my menstrual at the at the eighth grade, uh, Great American. But tell it right, though. This is what she did when she came in the house. <laughs> She came in, me and mommy was sitting on the couch and she threw her hand, like the back of her hand on her forehead and threw her head back and said, I'm a woman now. And me and mommy <laughs> looked at each other and we just died laughing. We like, what are you talking about? I started my period. We like, that don't make you a woman. That was so funny. <laughs> yes, girl. And how about to take it a step further, girl, she was like, you ain't no damn woman and was mad like that I said this. I got that whole little act from the Cosby show, um, mm-hmm. which I grew up on, you know, I, uh, along with many other shows. But uh, Claire, the mother in the show, for all her daughters, she would have like a 
a menstrual day. Whenever they got their menstrual, like for the first time, all she had five daughters, I believe, in the show. She would let them do whatever they wanted, whether like get their favorite movie, their favorite snacks, take them shopping, like introducing them to this motherhood. Mommy never even showed me how to put on a pad properly. I was using the paper. I don't know if you remember. I was using the paper. And then you see me like, what are you doing? You're supposed to take this off and fold it over. And I go, oh, it was <laughs> like, nobody ever showed me. Like, how was I? And I'm wondering. Like, I never was shown either, girl. It was slippery. To this day, I still don't know how to insert a tampon. Like, I just will be. I'm like, I feel like at 28, that's just. I, I'm just not going to learn that, I guess. And I have a friend <laughs> who'll be like, I'll teach you. I'll put it up there for you. Uh, my wife, mm -hmm. as I call her Nikki. She might put I, it too deep. I'd be like, no, girl, it's okay. I'm good. I'm good with these pads. Um, so, no. So, I feel like that was kind of like the start of just the, um, I don't know, mommy just straight saying, like, she's just done with me, basically. Like, so, fast forward to ninth grade. You know, I was very, um, I would just ditch school. I didn't really care about school at all. And then I discovered these uh, three girls who were juniors and seniors. And for some reason, they found an interest in me. And two of them was like the most popular girls in my school. They changed my life socially. And so I really started ditching school because they would have like, they wouldn't have fifth and sixth period and they had cars and stuff like that. And so mommy really then like, I don't know, I gave up on me, I feel like completely. So I remember one time, because I had no idea about marking your your period down on the calendar. Like to this day, I still don't track it. So I'm probably <laughs> why I'm pregnant. Probably why I'm pregnant now. Um, but I never was shown, like, and now they have all these apps and stuff like that. But you know, we grew up in a time where we weren't so dependent on technology, and I kind of like to keep some aspects of my life that way. Mm -hmm. So my period came in the middle of school and I'm like, oh, you know, I live right around the corner from the high school. So I got to go home and change. Mommy was supposed to be at work, but, you know, she would quit or get fired or whatever the hell will happen randomly. And she was home. So I was like thrown off when I come home and she's there. So I go to where the pads are located in the bathroom and they're not in there. And she was like, oh, you started your period. You buy your own pad since you think you've grown. And I was like, what? And I knew she kept her pads in her panty drawer. And I knew exactly where that was in her room. So I went to it because I'm like literally bleeding on myself. So I went to it and I'm like getting the pads out. And she's trying to like fight me for these pads. We are literally, we ended up fighting over these pads. Like I'm fighting her. Like she hitting me and pushing me and trying to snatch them from me. I mean, it was like, it's insane that you got to fight your mama over some pads that right. I was 15 years old, you know, that was crazy. So then I took stealing to another level at that point, And it just was how I survived basically, because then mommy started doing weird stuff. Like not only would she not buy me pads and clothes, she would turn off the electricity when she would leave. So I couldn't wash my clothes or watch TV. She would uh, like not buy food that I liked, or uh, if she seen that I liked something, she wouldn't buy it. Like I'd eat it. Like, and she that's crazy. She would stop buying it. So then, uh, I freaking start stealing sandwiches and salads like every day. And it's just through the strength of God that I don't have any serious charges because this was like legitly. I did this daily, and I would go to the same places even like because of the convenience for me. I didn't have a car, and I'm hungry, so I'm like, oh, it's easy for me to get to steal me a sandwich, these pre-made sandwiches, Walgreens or CVS, the grocery store is having some chips and a juice. Then, you know, next meal, I need a salad, like, you know, and I would just go in there. I wouldn't just go in there and steal a bunch of stuff at once. I would just steal it as I needed it. Like, you know, uh, I started panhandling like tough. I would sit in front of like a Popeye's or a Jack in the Box and I would never have to wait long, girl. This was just the start of it all. And this was just became my way of life. Because I could not depend on mommy. She would go out of town and lock the doors. Um, so I couldn't get inside and wouldn't, like, answer my calls. Like, just didn't know where I would be sleeping for those days that she was out of town. Just really strange behavior ensued. So uh, you got your got an apartment in downtown Oakland. And you saw all of this happening. And was like, oh, you can come live with me. 
So I never forget, girl. Mommy tricked tricked me, and it's like, yeah, you can go live with her. So you helping me take down all the posters on my wall and stuff. We load everything in your car, and she called the police and said that she was trying to kidnap me. And we had a whole plan, like, oh, I'm gonna just run and meet you at Starbucks. And you were like, it's okay, TT. By the time the police came, like, I'll get you eventually. Uh, so eventually, she just didn't care no more, and I went to live with you. I was living with you for three months like the happiest period of my life at this time because I was also this was the start of my depression I was trying to kill myself I would take sleeping pills and Jack Daniels I would steal that from CVS easily Jim Beam and I would try to kill myself I didn't even want to wake that's up that's crazy because I felt like if my own mama doesn't love me then who's gonna love me like you know and this was all leading up until finally she just let me go so um, this is just how I felt. And I would sometimes take a knife to my wrist, but I could never do it. I could never inflict on my own pain. I just, I know I just want to go to sleep and never wake up. I mean, like from this nightmare, it was like a nightmare. I just wanted to go to sleep and just didn't want to deal with it. Eventually she let me go and I stayed with you for three months. I never forget. It was like the best three months ever I had these these three new friends um which I won't say their names uh because I actually am only friends with one of them now to this day but these three friends and we would go to the like the best parties in Alameda and it was just like this is what being a teen was about and like as I'm talking about it to you I think that that's probably what God sent them in my life was to like teach this is high school you're supposed to like go to parties you're supposed to be worried about where whose party am I going to on Saturday or what movie are we going to see not like how am I going to eat or yeah. you know get some pads or wash my clothes because my or where am I going to sleep because my mom locked me out and she's not answering the phone and just that's that's what I dealt with so all of a sudden I'm about to be 16 in two weeks I never forget mommy decides out of the clear blue sky, three whole months has gone by. She doesn't even know where I was or anything. I'm guessing you was touching base with her because at that time, I think you were. You would be like, oh, tell mommy you're spending the night here. I used to be like, she don't care. You used to be like, tell her anyway. And I'd text her like, oh, I'm staying with Anisha. And she'd be like, I don't care what you do is what she would say, literally. So eventually I just stopped communicating with her at all. I don't know if you were still communicating with her or what. But I'm taking the bus from your house to Alameda and you know for a lot of people that don't know and I reiterate this for my man because he just recently thought that I came up with my my name for my daughter from a damn housewife show Margot <laughs> Rudd was my ninth grade English teacher and I would struggle to get to school on time because I you know you lived in downtown Oakland I had to catch the bus and she's like was be like, oh, what's wrong? And I'd be like, oh, you know, I told her what, what was going on. And she was like, she told all my teachers that if they had a problem with me, don't call my mom, call her. And I literally, they would do that. I would do in-class suspensions in her class without mommy ever even knowing whenever I got in trouble at the school. She mm -hmm. gave me bus money and bus passes and uh, bought me lunch every Wednesday. I never forget. And it was always like, some food that I like now, like now I know like a falafel or a, a Mediterranean sandwich or something. But like she just kind of like changed me like culturally. She as I got older, she would take me to museums and different exhibits. So she really saw something in me and helped me. And that's why that's going to be my daughter's middle name, Margot. Um, but mommy all of a sudden decided that she wanted me back two weeks to my 16th birthday. And she comes up to the school and tells them that I ran away. They call CPS. I was wearing all pink, different shades of pink. Pink shorts, a pink tank top, a pink sweater, pink flip-flops. None of it was the same shade pink, but I just was pinked out. And I was in French class when the principal, Miss Wiggins, came with two police officers. And when they came into class, I knew they was coming for me because I was, not, like, you know, one of the only people that got in trouble at this, you know, predominantly Caucasian school. And uh, they go, oh, your mom said you ran away and she hasn't known where you've been for three months. But you've been and, at going to school. And yeah, she waited. In, and she, right, that was, and I was still going to school, which was crazy. So she waited in the principal's office. They give me to her. We go back to her house. I broke out the living room window. 
She's like, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. I'm like, I do not want to live with you. Now, I did this thinking that I was going to be able to just go back to live with you. But I didn't know that the conditions of living with a family member is that you have to have your own room. And and honestly, that was not even the case in a lot of homes that I lived in. Like, you know, um, not even having my own bed in a lot of homes, to be real. But you got to have your own room or and you had lived in a studio and it wasn't met conditions. So they put me in a foster home way in Antioch. And, um, and I want to say I bust mommy's windows out two different times too. Like she took me back and I bust her shit out again before they sent me to this first foster home in Antioch. And at that first foster home, I was getting abused by the foster kids. I mean, I would come home from school. They would be waiting behind the door and would be ready to fight me with swing on me. Back then, these belts were in style with, like, these square jewels on it. They would, like, whip me. My foster mom also was a gambling addict. And uh, she'd go to fucking bingo all night. And they'd lock me outside, like, for hours. Like, you know. (laughs) And that's what people don't know. Like, people think, oh, foster care is the best, especially, like, CPS and the government and stuff. They rather put you straight into like a, a foster care group home instead of like finding a family member that is able to take care of you. Because I'm sure if they would have, you know, been able to put you with a family member right away, it wouldn't have been, you know, like definitely not like getting locked out or nothing. And then <laughs> you have your your issues with Unlia, <laughs> but um, it wouldn't have been nothing like that for sure. Girl, yeah, it, it was crazy. I was experiencing this abuse. And I'm talking about, like, it was so violent, like, that the the one foster girl that lived in the house, and she was younger than me, but she was much bigger than me. And uh, she, like, busted my nose a few different times in there. Like, you know, it really mm-hmm. made me uh, become, like, a, a fighter. Also, freaking that same house, it was, like, the real kids did no chores and the foster kids only did chores on different days and the real kids would like purposely make a mess for you mm-hmm. if you had to clean it up I mean but I did, I thought it was going to get worse and my, my foster mom would tell me when I would complain that it's only going to get worse that I was going to go to a and I, she knew that it was my first home I was so green to the system I had no idea and it really did it the next home I don't, I don't know if I could recall the exact next home I do got my little placement history too right here in my office but that first home, it was it was hard. And I was just like, oh, I could just be living with my mom and getting mistreated instead of living with some strangers, you know? And it kind of, like, scared me. And then the uh, there was also a real child who preyed on all the new foster girls. Like, little did I know, you know, when they came in. And not that I, like, slept with him or anything, but he definitely preyed on our vulnerability and was trying to... He was trying to shoot his shot as a 16-year-old boy. It just was all kind of stuff going on that shouldn't have been going on. And I'm thinking this is how it goes. Until I met Mary Jane, who is my other sister I tell you guys all about. (laughs) Um, And, oh, my gosh, she saved my life. I was getting beat up by one of these little real children. It was a foster boy. He was 14, and he was whooping me with one of those studded belts. And it was her first day into this house. And she just came in the room and seen him whooping me with his belt. And she started beating his motherfucking ass. Like, what the fuck? And I've been fucking with her ever since. And people ask me all the time, why do I still fuck with her? That kind of... Wait, she was in that first house you was in or the second one? The first house. I was in this uh-huh. house for three months by myself. So she was led... Okay, so she was just like... But she wasn't participating in what they were... She doing. wasn't in the... Okay, so let me... I'm sorry if that was confusing. So I was in this first home for three months getting abused like this by these real kids and by these foster kids. Mary Jane, my other sister, she comes into this house three months after I'm already in it on her oh, first okay. day. She comes in and I'm literally getting whipped by a little boy. He was younger than me. I mean, I was 16 and he was 14 and he was whooping. Maybe he might even been freaking uh, 13 or 12, honestly. But these people were all bigger than me. I've been little my whole life. Um, and he was whooping my ass with this studded belt. 
And literally, she had just got into this home, like literally had just got into this home and walked into the room and seen this boy whooping me like this. She didn't know him. She didn't know me. She didn't know nobody in this house. And she started beating this boy ass. And I've been fucking with her ass ever since. <laughs> uh, and it's just been a few instances where she uh, don't play over me. And just, I don't even know why she even did that. She don't even know. I ask her all the time. Like, you didn't even know me. That boy could have, you don't even know the capabilities of that boy. He could have turned around and slapped her ass with that motherfucking belt. But she had been fighting boys her own life. And like I said, he was younger than me. So she beat this, she beat his ass. And uh, she started trying to teach me how to fight better and defend myself because she saw how I was such a target. So anyway, I say all that to say how um, it's just so scary having a daughter now on my own because I know how fucked up the world is how people will just take advantage of you because you're vulnerable, because you're small, because I'm little, how your mom is supposed to protect you. And oftentimes, um, my own mother has failed at protecting me. I often say she just set me up to fail from the beginning, you know? And for me, yeah, having a daughter... No I'm sorry. Oh, I said, yeah, with, without, like, with your dad's situation, that was definitely a setup. Like, like, even though my situation, like Leilani, oops, I mean, well, my child, <laughs> dad is not in her life. Um, I try to like fill voids. And I think that's why we have in our little struggles, because I'm just like, I'm all she has. So I'm like, I don't really make her work for stuff like she should. And let's <laughs> talk about that, if you, if you don't mind, um, a little bit. I would love to talk about that because, yes, I do see, because I think about this a lot. I mean, I just found out I'm having a girl. But in these two days, I mean, I I mean, you already know I'm an overthinker. So I have a million different things going through my head. So me and you, I mean, you know, you shared you were you were touched as a child. I was actually also molested by the neighbors across the street from one of our houses, the one that we lived on on 87. And then, mm -hmm. yes, Ubel would come into the bathroom and all that weird stuff. Then again, I was I was raped at 19, which was that the one as when I was seven years old being molested by the neighbors, that was so hard. But being raped at 19 was even harder because I was like 15 minutes from mommy house. And I had went on a date that went south, basically. And the guy thought right. just he took me to dinner and a movie that he could fuck me, you know. And, this and they guy changed was, new laws, too, about, about all of what you're talking about, too. And this guy was huge. He was African-American. And after, after this incident, I didn't date African-American men for a while because I felt like that they would all overpower me. But anyway, I don't want to get too deep into that. I just I say that to say that. I got raped 15 minutes from where my mom resided. You had just moved to Sacramento, which for people that are not familiar with the Bay Area, it's two hours from, I was in downtown Oakland where this man lived. You're in Sacramento, two, three hours away. Um, and I didn't feel like I could call mommy. Like she wouldn't care to come and get me. I was 19, of course, but I didn't feel like she could, she would, or she would come and get me or she would care. And at the time I had a best friend Tito, who I'll say because he's not in my book. Um, but I had a best friend who lived in San Leandro. And I told him this, like, you know, I don't know, however much longer later. And he was like, you should have called me. I would have came and got you. It was like two or three in the morning. He didn't even have a car. He was like, my mama would have let me take her car to come and get you. Because I, I, I was like so shocked. Like, I couldn't believe like that. My best friend would have came and got me, would have took his mama's car, but I can't even call my own mother, who is 15 minutes from where I am, to come and get me. So because of that, I stayed with my attacker until he tried to rape me again at like 6 or 7 in the morning. And keep in mind, I stayed with him because it was 2, 3 in the morning. There, This is before Uber, people. There is no buses. I didn't have any money for cabs. This is before I started hitchhiking. And who wants to hitchhike anyway at 2 or 3 in the morning? Although I have. And it's not safe. I don't recommend it, guys. I'm so glad that's over. Um, But I stayed with him until he tried to rape me again at like six in the morning. But by this time, the buses are coming. And I was like, no, like, you know, and, and made a getaway. And he had a male roommate, too. And I was scared that they were going to both try to rape me or shut me up or 
I mean, you know, and I just say that to say that it's scary having a daughter going through the experiences that me and you have went through. That's why I actually wanted you to share about, you know, your parenting with your daughter, because I feel like that greatly impacts the way that I see. Like, people are like, oh, you're having a daughter. You should be excited, a little you. But um, people really just don't understand how hard it is to literally wake up with this much baggage. Like, you know, it's like, yes, you want to be positive. I listen to my affirmations, my positivity. But as I said in a previous episode, our minds, or I think even Gigi might have said it, our minds are programmed to be negative. So when you go through the life that we went through and then you have the negativity of the world constantly beating you down every day, it's so hard to be like, oh my God, yes, I am happy about having a girl. Because I just think about all the the... I just think about the world and how chaotic it is and how unsafe it can be and how vulnerable women are. And I wanted a boy so bad because I feel like as a man, you are stronger. At least I was going to build my men. Of course, I'm going to build my daughter to be strong willed like me. Um, But I just feel like men have that. They're innately strong, you know, Um, and not to just go off subject, but Last season, I talked about the Bastigio man and how the Europeans in the 1600s thought of African-Americans as Bastigial. They thought that they were inherently evil because of their strength, their body type, their masculinity, and how in, um, in Grouse, I don't know the appropriate way to say that, but you know, their, their member down there, you know, how developed they are, right? Physically. So... I really wanted a girl and I just feel like it's hard, but please share with me. How do you deal with having a girl and trying to keep her sheltered or not sheltered? How do you go about that? Well, I definitely didn't want a girl either because I knew, you know, even though any child could be molested or raped. Right. Uh, Boys too, for I, sure. That was my biggest thing. Cause I was molested um, by, my dad's girlfriend's nephew. Um, so I already that I was gonna I just think I think I was open a lot with Lele. Um, I don't know why I'm saying her name. I mean she, she yeah, doesn't listen, I'm sure. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I was open a lot with her. You know, if if somebody touch you right here or touch you right there. You let me know. And this is what they're going to say. Because my, you know, my molester told me, like, you was going to get a whooping. And because my dad used to beat the crap out of me, I didn't want that. So I never told. Like, till this day, my dad don't know. Um, So I just made sure I just let her know this is what they're going to say. Because they don't want your mama to kill them. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. This is what they're going to say. Um... It's definitely hard, but honestly, I have a pretty cool kid because she likes to communicate. Um, I just have a problem with, because I, you know, get this from my mom, not even wanting to have you finish. Like, no, this don't make sense. So I'm just shutting it down instead of, she like, well, if you let me finish, <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> then if I let her finish, I'm like, oh, okay. I barely, basically, I'm speaking too soon. I put my foot in my mouth. So, I mean, I do be trying to work on listening to more. Not like I don't listen to her feelings. Like if she trying to explain something, I just feel like she always got an explanation for something. Like <laughs> nothing can't just be like, you got to explain everything. Oh, uh, that's me. I do. Yeah. I told her she needs to be a lawyer because <laughs> you always want to ar- not argue, but you always want to prove your point. Yeah. Uh, so we get, she's like your little person. They say we get the kind of uh, child that we were to our parents. That's the kind of child that we have. Definitely. She got that smart mouth. <laughs> every now and then I'll have to check her. Like I said, because her, her father's not in her life like he should be. I'm compensating. So like I'm letting her get away with certain little things or like a lot of stuff that we couldn't do as a kid, like have a junky room. Like I had to come in here and guide her. Like, look, I don't like it like this. I don't like, 
Like all my mom had to do is say this room was dirty and our room wouldn't even have to be dirty. Like I don't remember growing up and being dirty or nasty the way that she would try to make it seem. So great talking with you here on CR Tuesdays. I know our listeners really enjoyed our conversation. I know I did. I have some new insights to add to my book right after this podcast. Yes, uh, it was such a pleasure being on here. I definitely uh, am appreciative of just the natural conversation we had. Um, I think you should bring me back um, maybe for like a part two. Um, I just kind of feel like maybe I should have fully explained um, the the fears that I have um, about, you know, motherhood. And I know you definitely have a lot of fears as well. And being that you did take some parent or a parenting class, I don't know if it was like one or two, but you did take some parenting classes. So I think that would be good because you do have some insight there and then maybe I could share some advice because, you know, I had to just get out here and, and do it. And do it. <laughs> no Think or swim. That's what I tell you. No, I like that. We definitely will have to bring you back for part two. We have some other guests coming up in the next couple of weeks, but we definitely will bring you back and discuss all the feedback we get from this episode. Um, all right, guys, I'm going to say goodbye to my sister and you guys can listen to this song right here. Bye. Love you. <laughs> Okay, welcome back from break. It's your girl, Tiara, and you're listening to TR Tuesdays. I hope you really enjoyed that conversation I had with my sister, Lanisha. I know I did. I learned a lot of insights that I can add to my book, as I just said. And I'm just um, so excited to finally have had her on the show. So just recapping some of the things we discussed, because it was a lot. It was a heavy conversation. So Lanisha and I discussed some of the effects of being in foster care, how we got into foster care, and how our mother ultimately chose her boyfriend over us, and how that has had a significant impact on the way we see the mother and daughter dynamic as a whole. Uh, We actually extended that conversation on the mother and daughter dynamic and um, parenting as a whole. We actually didn't get to discuss too much about my troubles and tribulations with the fact that I'm going to have a daughter of my own. But don't worry, I will be bringing Lanisha back in a few episodes. So stand by for that uh, part two of that conversation. And we'll also be discussing how we overcame a lot of these challenges because we also didn't discuss that today. But that's okay. We'll be discussing it next time. Okay, so it's time to end the show with these I am affirmations. But before I do those, of course, I have to tell you where to find and support me. Please DM me on Instagram. Add me, start following me, like all my stuff. Download me on Spotify, Anchor, Apple. All you have to do to find me on Instagram is type in T-R-L Christopher. That's T-I-A-R-A-L-C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R. To find me on Apple Podcasts, all you have to do is type in T-R Christopher. So it's just T-R Christopher, no L. And new business alert. That's right. I have started my own handyman business. I am the owner of Problem Solved. And my man is the electrician of Problem Solved. And together, we specialize in everything electrical. So our highest demand are these Tesla chargers. If you know anybody in the Las Vegas area that needs a Tesla charger installed, definitely let me know. We can install things like panels. We can do electrical wiring. Our skills are not just limited to electricity. We also can do flooring, ceiling fans, furniture assembly, you name it, we can do it. Find me on Yelp. All you have to do is type in problem solved, literally P-R-O-B-L-E-M solved, S-O-L-V-E-D. 
and recommend me to anybody you know in the Las Vegas or Clark County area that needs a handyman and electrician because let me tell you, I will definitely send him out. Don't forget that I don't own any of the rights to any of this music used um, in today's podcast and previous podcasts. Don't forget to donate to me on anchor.fm slash tr92. Always strive to get on the top in life because it's the bottom that's overcrowded. Les Brown. I am loved. I am sympathetic. I am amazing. I am divinely guided in all that I do. I am an amazing daughter. I am an amazing mother. I am happy with myself. I love myself. I can do anything.